welcome to another exciting podcast from Living Faith Church. It's our hope and prayer that today's message will bring you closer and deeper to the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here is our lead pastor, Pastor Dean Hackett. I would, I would guess that many of you have had an experience like I have had where individuals think of God only in terms of an angry God. That, that he, he is a mean God. He is an angry God. He is a punishing God. He is a violent God. And, and they will make reference to the scriptures where uh, like where, where God tells them to go and you will judge the city and, and you destroy everyone in the city. Or they, they will talk about the flood and how God destroyed everybody. And, or they will talk about how, you know, well, God's just judging and sending people to hell. And, and their concept of God is he is this angry, violent God. And they seem to miss scriptures like the one about Rahab. Do you remember who Rahab is? Do you, do you know who Rahab is? Rahab in, is the, uh, when the children of Israel were going into the promised land, the, the first encounter they had was at the city of Jericho. And Joshua sends two spies into the city of Jericho to see just how strong the fortress is and to, and to spy out where they're going to be going. And in the city, they, they, meet, they meet the city prostitute. And her name is Rahab. And, and she protects the spies so they can escape and get back and, and let Joshua know. But in that, in that whole encounter, Rahab chooses to believe in the God of the Jewish people. The living God. Right? Jehovah Jireh. And... God tells the spies to tell her, if you will put a red cord outside your window so that, that your home is identified by that red cord, and if you will bring all your family into your, your home, then when we, when we attack the city and we destroy the city, you and your family will be saved. And as, and you maybe know the story of how the way that they conquered the city of Jericho was for six days they marched around at one time in total silence. But on the seventh day they go around it seven times. And the seventh time they go around it, the priests blow the shafar and they shout. And as they shout, the walls fall down. And the armies of the Israelites march into the city and conquer the city. Except Rahab and her family is spared. Now, does that seem a little odd to you? That it's the city prostitute that's spared? Well, it's going to get even more curious through scripture. Because Rahab marries a Jewish man from the tribe of Judah. And she becomes the great, great, 
grandma of King David. And she's even in the bloodline of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at how Matthew records it in the Gospel of Matthew chapter chapter 1. And I forgot my pointer today, so we're going to have to do it without the bouncing ball. Can you guys read scripture without the bouncing ball? Okay, here we go. All right, right, everyone together. Solomon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed by Ruth. Ruth... Uh, Okay, good. The pastor can't read it without the bouncing ball. But you guys did really, really good. Give yourself a hand. <laughs> Rahab is in the bloodline of Jesus Christ. Because this is taken from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 1, where Matthew is giving the royal bloodline of Jesus Christ. And here's Rahab. Isn't that amazing? On another occasion, our Lord Jesus Christ has to make a journey north through Samaria. He's going to go back to the region of Galilee. But the easiest trip back north through the region of Galilee is to go downhill 3,000 feet from Jerusalem to Jericho. And then walk north through the Jordan Valley back to the Galilee area. That's the easy trip. The difficult trip is going straight north from Jerusalem through all of the mountain region and the, and, and the area of Samaria. But the, but the scripture says Jesus must go through Samaria. He was feeling a call because he knew there was a divine encounter waiting for him. And as he goes north through the region of Samaria, he comes to the small community of Sychar. And there is a well there that Jacob, yes, that Jacob, Jacob whose name was changed to Israel. Jacob, the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. Jacob had dug that well. And Jesus stops by that well because there's a divine encounter coming. You see, in the city of Sychar, there is a woman who's been married five times. And she's living with a man, and they're not married. And she's not accepted in the city. And so when she draws her daily water, instead of going to the well inside the city, she goes to the well of Jacob outside the city because she's an outcast. But she's not an outcast to Jesus. And Jesus encounters her. And she receives salvation that day. How about this story? Jesus is in the city of Jerusalem. And the religious leaders are trying to find fault with him. And so what they do is they, they go and find a woman who is an adulteress. And she's even meeting with one of her men or the man. We're not told if she had several men or if she just had one boyfriend beside her husband. But she meets, she's with her man 
And the religious leaders come and take her out of that situation. And they bring her to Jesus. And as they bring her to Jesus, they throw her at his feet. And they are ready to stone her for committing adultery. One of the curious questions that I have in my mind is, number one, how did they know this woman was an adulteress? And number two, how did they know where she was? Uh, just, a, just a curious question that comes to my mind. I wonder if they're as innocent as they want to make themselves out to be, right? right. Apparently, Jesus had the same curiosity. Because as they, as they throw this adulterous woman at his feet, Jesus kneels down and starts writing things in the sand. And as he's writing things in the sand, he says, those of you who are without sin, you guys who are innocent, you get, you get to throw the first rocks at this woman. And he stands up and he looks at them. And I think they're kind of shocked. And then Jesus kneels back down in the sand and he starts writing in the sand again. And as he's knelt down looking at the sand, writing whatever it is he's writing in the sand, he's hearing rocks hit the ground. Only they're not throwing them at the woman, they're just dropping them and are leaving the area. All of her accusers just exit now here's here's what i think personal opinion what do you know about personal opinions you get to have one of your own right okay only since i'm the one talking today you got to hear mine okay so but personal opinion i think jesus was writing in the sand the sins of their hearts because he knew the hearts of all men. Amen? Scripture tells us he knew the hearts of all men. And he's writing. I think he's personal opinion. I think he's writing. And as, as their sin is exposed, their ability to judge that woman comes to an end. Because they are just as guilty as she is in their heart. And when he hears the last rock hit the ground, he looks at the woman and he says to her, where are your accusers? Please go back for me. She says, where are their accusers? And she, she says, um, they're not here. And Jesus looks at her and he says, neither do I condemn you. Go. Go and live a new life. Don't live in this sin anymore. Go and live a new life. Now, what, what is God, what's God trying to show us here in this whole thing? He, he, picks, he picks a prostitute to be in the bloodline of our Lord. Jesus makes a special trip to, to bring a woman who has lived an absolutely broken life. And, and when, when a woman who is openly sinful is is thrown at his feet instead of bringing judgment he brings justification what is God trying to reveal to us 
He is wanting us to get this very clear in our heart and mind. That he is a God of justice and righteousness. That he, he is a God who, who must punish sin. But he is also a God of love and mercy and grace. And it's like two sides of the same coin. There is one God eternally existing in three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he is a God of holiness. He is a God of justice. He is a God of righteousness. And therefore he must punish sin. But he is a God of love, mercy, and grace. And he created us in his image. And he did not create us to live under the curse. He created us to live the blessed life. And so his love, mercy, and grace require of him that he seek us out and bring us to reconciliation he is that God amen and that confuses people that confuses people they they struggle with it they struggle with it and I can understand why they struggle with it But I want you to know something. Almighty God has made it really clear to you and I that he desires you to live the blessed life. Not under the curse. We live under the curse only because we choose to live in in sin rather than live in righteousness. But God's made it possible. And, and, and the reason, the reason that God has made that possible to you and I is because he realizes we have a very real, very serious, malevolent enemy who Jesus said these words. He says, the thief comes before to steal and to kill and to destroy. And so you have a very real, malevolent enemy that wants to destroy your life. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He hates you. And he wants to destroy your life. And he has two primary weapons to do that. The first is is his his lies and his deceptions that that he brings to try and, and bring deception and wrong choices into your life. And so he sends thoughts or he'll send temptations your way to try and coerce you to making choices that will bring destruction into your life. Choices that will wound you and hurt you. And, and he brings those in your way. And so he will, he will send things your way that, that will look really good. That may even look like that that's a really good choice to make. Or that, that's a really good that's a really good friend to have. That's a really good person to hang out with. He will he is trying to deceive you into making choices. Oh, you know what? I, I have to do that. It, you know, I mean we, we, we won't our, our business won't be able to go forward if we don't do that. And and he sends these things your way to get you to make choices. That he knows 
will bring wounding into your life. Bring hurt into your life. That will, that will steal from you your reputation. That will steal from you your peace, your safety. That will steal from you your sense of well-being, your sense of self-worth. That will steal from you the best life and actually bring you under the curse. He, and he will send those your way. If he can't do that, then he will send people your way with evil intent, with evil motive, with evil desires, with evil passions. Folks, listen, there are very real evil people in the world. How else can you explain people that, that will knowingly, willfully do things that will damage and hurt and wound other people? People that are filled with greed. And so they will, they will develop product that they in their life know will hurt people. And, and, and even destroy lives. Bring cancer. Bring disease. Or bring destruction into the life. How else can you explain people that will make the choice to manufacture or market narcotics? Knowing it's going to destroy people. Knowing it's going to destroy lives. But they will do that. Folks, that's evil. That's evil. They, they may use all kinds of ways of justifying it, but it's evil. How, how else can you explain people who will, who will openly capture little girls and put them into the sex trade? How else can you explain people that will, that will, will develop gangs to try and take over and control neighborhoods and control business areas through, through uh, threats? Of violence and destruction. These are evil people. There, there are people that unfortunately are even in our family lines. That are evil people. That will touch inappropriately. And do inappropriate things. And the enemy sends these people into our lives. To try and bring destruction. To wound to hurt and to bring destruction. People that, that will drink and drive, knowing very well that they very well could, could create an accident that, that could wound and change a person's life for the rest of their life here on earth. Or even take their life through drinking and driving. Very, very evil things from the enemy. The enemy Will, will cause people to do those things to bring destruction into people's lives so that through that wounding in their life they live under the curse instead of under the blessing. And, and here, here's how it goes. I, I call it the enemy's cycle of destruction. Would you go to that for me please? I think you're We've got to touch on this portion of Scripture before we go on. Go, go ahead and go to the next slide. I'm going to come back to that one, okay? Keep, keep going. There we are. The cycle of destruction. The enemy comes to steal and to kill and destroy. Watch what I'm talking about. So the enemy will either through a wounding by choice or a wounding 
that is foisted upon us and we're the victim. But either way, he tries to bring a wound into our life. And through that wound, we make a poor choice. We make a poor choice. Out of that wound, out of that hurt, out of that fear, out of that anxiety, out of anger, out of resentment or bitterness, out of a sense of of vulnerability, abandonment, or low self-worth, we make a poor choice. And out of that poor choice, then, we suffer yet another wound. Out of that poor choice, we suffer yet another wound. And that wound just heightens our fear, our anxiety, our worry. It heightens our insecurity. It heightens our sense of of low self-worth. It it heightens our, our anger, our resentment, our bitterness. And we make yet another poor choice. And out of that poor choice, we suffer an even deeper wound. And the cycle goes. You tracking with me? Until finally, we begin to make choices of self-destruction. Either poor relationships... Or the choice of our own self-medication through alcohol, or through narcotics, or through prescription drugs, or through self-destructive lifestyle of behavior that is just self-destructive. Or through things like agoraphobia. But other things where we just, be, we just tunnel in life and isolate ourselves from everything else. And, and we, we begin making choices of self-destruction. The enemy. Stealing. Killing. And destroying. Is this making sense? I want to tell you one of the one of the, go to the next slide for me. One of the worst things that's happening right now is this television program. The enemy is using this television program. First of all, it is an evil person that would even put this out for public consumption. And if you don't know what this is, thirteen reasons why. It is a television program that glorifies suicide. And teenagers all across the nation is flooding to this program. And they're acting it out. It's evil to the core. But it's, it's the enemy destroying. And, and I want to tell you, parents... May I, may, I, may I get a little firm here? May, may I just share with you, truthfully and honestly, and some, some look at me and go, Dean, you're 68, what do you know about parenting today? I'll tell you what I know about parenting today. I got nine grandkids, and I see what they're facing. 
when I have a grandson coming, coming from school. And he says, Grandpa, he said, it's so hard at school to walk with Jesus. He said, I hear the F-bomb all day long in the classroom. And, and even the teachers use bad language. He said, he said and, and, and he's talking about how they talk about human sexuality. And, and it's, it's, it's there. Dear ones, I want to tell you, there comes a time when as a parent, you pick a spot or a drawer or a table or a counter and you say, all phones, iPads here from this time all through the evening. And you set a specific amount of time your child gets to use and only a certain amount of time every day. Amen. And when your kid comes to you and says, but that's my phone. You can't tell me what to do with my phone. You look at them and you say to them, I buy your clothes. I buy your food. You live under my roof. You liveth under my roofeth. And you doeth what I saith. Get it? I know I'm a mean grandpa, aren't I? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. There is no way on this green planet that my child growing up today would have their own their own television and internet in their room. Mm-mm. Not on your life. This is why. This is why. Folks, there are very real people out there that want to destroy your child. They're on the social media. They are trolling for your daughter. They're trolling. If you better protect them, you better help them learn how to make wise choices. Because they want to destroy, they want to destroy you. They want to destroy you. Folks, listen, we, we live in a day when we have to understand the enemy has stepped the warfare up. And he wants to bring you under the curse and destroy your life. But I bring you great news. And it's news that we find in two places. First, I want to share with you the words from Keith Green. There is a Redeemer. Jesus, God's own Son. Precious Lamb of God. Messiah. Holy One. Amen? There's a Redeemer. And look at this promise that Pastor Darcy read to us today. Now go back to that one I told you I wanted. But you're going to have to come back forward again. Okay. And it's not her fault. I, I, I moved the order in my mind. Okay. Look, look at this precious scripture out of Isaiah 41. Would you please read it with me? A bruised reed he shall not break. And the smoldering flax he shall not quench. He shall bring forth the justice faithful. You know what this is saying? And now go ahead and go back to that Keith Green slide for me. You know what he's saying? Listen right here. Here's what he's saying. 
When your life is broken and your spirit is crushed, my desire isn't to bring judgment and punishment on you. My desire is to heal you. It's to heal you. And when you feel like your life is just barely smoldering, that, that all reason for living, all hope is, is almost totally gone, I'm not, I'm not going to wet my fingers and put out the fire. I'm, I'm going to rekindle the fire for you. I'm going to give you hope where there's no hope. I'm going to give you promise where life has lost its promise. I'm going to give you a future. That's what he said in Jeremiah when he said, I know the thoughts I have for you. Thoughts of good and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. See, that's our Redeemer. That's our Lord. He, he promises. Well, the enemy has this cycle of destruction. He throws you down. And, and that's going through that cycle of destruction is what you'll hear women say like this. How come I never pick a decent guy? How come I just get lousy guys? Or, or you'll, you'll hear guys say this. How come, how come I, nothing ever works out for me? How come I'm, I, I just only fail? How come I don't make good choices? See, and, and you see this. What's going on? They're in that cycle of destruction. The enemy is trying to destroy them. The enemy is trying to lead them to a place where they will begin living a self-destructive life and only live under the curse. But there is a Redeemer. Jesus, God's own Son. And He came to redeem us from the curse and to bring us into the blessed life. Christ has redeemed us from the curse, having been made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, that we might receive the Holy Spirit through faith. Galatians chapter 3, 13 and 14. That's God's promise. He wants us living the blessed life, not the cursed life. And I want to speak just a moment to every woman in this room. Especially if you've been abused verbally, physically, or sexually. And by that very statement right there, I'm speaking to at least 55% of the women in this room. I've spoken at conferences where there's been a thousand women and 75% of the women in that room come in that category. I want to speak to you for just a moment. And I want to tell you God's promise from the book of Hebrews is this. He saves to the uttermost. See, he doesn't just Forgive everything you've done wrong. Now that's wonderful. If that was all there was to it, that would be good. Amen? Amen. I don't know about you. When, when, when I came to Jesus, and, and I, was, I was only a sophomore in high school when I came to Jesus. But I got to tell you, I had lived really, really, really bad. And I had a list that was so long, I, I wasn't sure anybody could ever forgive me. In fact, I truly thought I was a throwaway human being. 
And I want to tell you, if that was all I got, was everything I'd done wrong, was wiped away, hallelujah, that was awesome. But see, that's, that's not all he promises. See, Jesus' words, listen to the finishing of that scripture. The thief comes before to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus' words, Jesus speaking, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Lamb of God, our Redeemer, saying, but I have come that you might have life and that more abundantly. Well, well, how can he give us life more abundantly? Because he saves to the uttermost. See, Jesus isn't here just to patch up your old life. He wants to give you a whole new life. Go ahead and go to the next slide for me. A whole new life. Jesus called it being born again. Remember what he said to that religious leader? And, and if you're not familiar with this, there was, there was one of the key religious leaders in the city of Jerusalem. His name was Nicodemus. He was a very wealthy man. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. He was one of the leaders in the Sanhedrin. And he came to Jesus by night because he wanted to know more about Jesus and, and who he was and what he was doing. Because he was seeing things that made him think this might truly be the Messiah. And he came to him and, and he, he wanted to ask Jesus some questions. And Jesus looked at him. He says, you must be born again. And Nicodemus is going, what did you say? What did you just say to me? You, you, think, you think I got to climb back in mama's womb and get born all over again? What are you saying? And Jesus goes, no, 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 Nick. That's not it. My paraphrase. That's, that's not what I'm saying. Because that which is born of the flesh is flesh. Amen. I mean, it's, it's been proven lately by, by the newest survey that was done that, one, that literally 100% of all Americans actually believe that when you're born, you live in the flesh. Think, think on that a moment. You'll get it. It's just, just think on that a little bit. We all, have a, we all have a human body, right? But listen to what Jesus said. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. But that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. See, being born again means a couple of really important things. One is, as it says here in the top, on the top right, it says you receive a new life source. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 4 says this. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. That by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now that doesn't mean we all become little gods. But what it does mean is we all become children of God. That when we're born again the Holy Spirit gives to us a whole new life source so that we no longer have to live out of the old life source 
We don't have to live out of the old genealogical curses that come into our life. We don't have, just because daddy was an alcoholic doesn't mean you have to be an alcoholic. You may have that strong propensity in your flesh, but when you're born again, you don't have to live by that. You can live now by the life source Jesus Christ gives to you. The Holy Spirit who takes up dwelling in you now becomes your life source. And he will build in your life the character of Almighty God. Love, joy, Peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and self-control. Hallelujah. You get a whole new life source. That's awesome. And you get to have a whole new mind. I don't know about you, but I came into this thing with, with pretty stinking thinking. Anybody else got stinking thinking going on inside your brain? Of course, we all do. Oh, I can't do anything right. Oh, I'm so stupid. Oh, I'm so dumb. So many chicks, so little time. Come on. Stinking thinking. That will kill you. It will kill you. It will steal from you. And it will kill you. And the Lord Jesus Christ makes it possible for us to have a whole new life source and to have our mind renewed so that we think from God's perspective. That's that's incredible. The hope that that brings to you, dear one, that has lived with such abuse, You've lived the life of a victim. The hope that that brings to you is this. If you're starting with a whole new life source, you've been born again, you get a whole new start. And that means, listen, that means you can begin living a whole new life and that never happened to you. Juan and I have worked with somewhere between two and 3,000 victims. And we've watched it time and time and time again. When they truly entered in to the experience that Jesus gives and letting him go clear to their subconscious and purge their subconscious, they were able to step into this new life And this old stuff that happened to them was not their life source anymore. They no longer had to live as a victim. They could live as the victor. Jesus has the power to make you a whole new creation. And that's what he wants to do in your life. We are so blessed that you join us online today. For more resources on how you can grow your relationship with Jesus Christ, visit us online at www.winacity.com. If you would like to speak with someone about your relationship with Jesus Christ or would like prayer, you can contact us at 541-567-4486 or email us at info at